And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. So this morning feels like waking up with a massive hangover. Um, Not the sort of hangover you get from a good night out when it's all been worth it, but the sort of hangover that you get when you've done something really stupid or really bad. You know, the psychological hangover, it gives you that guilty feeling in the pit of your stomach. Maybe you said something to someone you shouldn't, or you got in a fight that was your fault for being a moron. Or you went in the kebab shop on the way home from the pub, got in an argument, threw your chips all over the guy serving, and now you've got to go back and apologise because you're going to be in there again next week and you don't want it to be awkward when you go in and order your kebab and chips on the way home from the pub next week. It's that sort of hangover, really, that I think we're all feeling this morning. Uh, It was a poor game from start to finish. I thought both teams were pretty putrid, if we're being honest. I think we need to start this game by addressing two stats that I think sum the game up perfectly. Now, they're stats that have been doing the rounds ever since the game finished, because I think it was it was pretty obvious. Um, but the ball was in play for just 50 minutes of this game. That's by far the lowest mark in the Champions League this season. There were also 36 free kicks awarded for fouls in this game. Again, that's the highest mark in the Champions League this season by some distance. And I think what that really does is it tells you exactly what Porto wanted to do to the game and what the ref allowed them to do to the game. We spoke on Tuesday about Porto and them having a high press and being an attacking side. And I said I really didn't think they'd set up this way against us. And I I think that basically shows you that they didn't. They tried to kill the game off. They tried to slow it down. There's a quote from Sergio Contessao after the game um, where he said, they came to play, we came to win. I'm sorry, but that is utter bollocks. Porto didn't go into this game trying to win it. They went in trying not to get beat 4-0 and board the plane for Heathrow with a tie already over. I mean, this is a team that includes Pepe. In fact, it includes two of them. So there's no real surprise that this was the game plan. And I think it was clear from very early on that the ref was going to blow up every time they hit the deck. So they just went to ground again and again. They stopped the game. They took their time restarting. They shortened it right up. Sometimes the contact was minimal and sometimes it wasn't there at all. But whichever way it was, it was the same result every time. Free kick Porto. I was speaking to Monin Imran directly after the game. And uh, I think you can imagine the gist of what he was saying. Um, But I said to him, like, I think we've just forgotten what the away legs in these knockout ties in the Champions League are like. There's some of us who are old enough to remember when we used to play these games regularly, especially before we got thrashed at Bayern or Barca every season. And we've all seen this game before. You get a home crowd that are up for it. You've got a team that are desperate to not get beat. They maybe haven't got the quality you've got, so they have to look at other ways to to get themselves through the game. And then you get a, a referee that's maybe, I don't know if he's inexperienced at this level or not up to it, whatever it is. And he's quite happy just to blow up and give a free kick to the home team every time one of them hits the deck. And, and that's exactly what we got last night. 
I've seen some criticism of David Raya for the goal. I'm not sure I put any blame on him at all in this, to be quite honest. Um, we had three or four chances in that move to keep the ball, ice the game, see it out, and we just chose not to. Martinelli's ball was tired and short over to Saka that got intercepted. I thought Rice looked tired and he was a bit slow to come out and close the guy down. Maybe it's because he'd played 90 minutes on a yellow card, so he was having to be 100% switched off, switched on all the time. And the shot that the guy hits, let's be fair, 99 times out of 100, that flies over the bar or goes into the goalkeeper's arms. It just went into the one spot in the net where it was going to go in. And I just think sometimes that happens. When it comes to Raya, I think there's just some stuff that you've got to accept. And, and I think this is where a lot of the fan base are having a problem. He's never, ever going to have the sort of game that Ramsdale had at Anfield last year or Ramsdale had at Spurs last year. He doesn't have that in him. He's not that sort of goalkeeper. He's never going to be able to make those sort of saves and have those sort of games. But with another goalkeeper, we don't control games like we have 90% of this season. We don't get the fast breakaways. We don't get every cross claimed and the quick throwouts. And he, I thought this game he actually played reasonably well. He, he took every cross that came into the box. Um, he tried to get us going quickly. This is just one of them things. It's a trade-off that Mikel Arteta has made it very clear that he's happy to accept. And I think it's one that we've got to accept too. You know, it's a bit like the inverted fullback thing. When you first see it, you're like, oh my God, what what's going on here? Because it's not what you're used to. And I think it's just something that we, we have to accept. But that goal is not on Raya at all. The starting position, I've seen people blame his starting position. That's why he's as effective as he is with crosses and, and all that stuff. Because that's how he plays. You're just going to have to accept it. There are a couple of performances from last night, though, that I think are worth touching on because I think they could have an effect moving forward on this team, certainly in the bigger and more important games. Um, the first one that kind of surprised me a little bit is William Saliba. I thought this was the worst Saliba performance we've seen in probably a year. He had a bad spell when he came back from the World Cup last year, that January, February, before he got injured, he didn't look like himself. And it was a bit like that with him last night, I think. Um, he didn't look comfortable covering right back and centre back. It makes you realise how good Gabriel is too, because Gabriel does that job on the left every game. Um, Saliba just never looked comfortable in it. I mean, he's good enough player to deal with that and to learn it. But I think with White inverting and Rice trying to play that uh, with Sorry, with Saliba trying to play that centre-back, right-back role. It just didn't really work last night. I think it's a tough job, a really tough job. And for whatever reason, it, it just didn't happen for him last night. I mean, it started as early as the second minute when he played a pass to Rice, when Rice wasn't looking and it led to the, it led to the booking. Um, and it just got worse from there. The other one worth mentioning, I think, is Kivior. I think last night what we saw is Kivior is a player that isn't quite at this level. Um, I think the last two games he's been decent against very, very poor teams. I think he started poorly against West Ham and then grew into the game and he was okay. I thought he was pretty good against Burnley. He made a couple of really good decisions, the overlapping run for a goal and obviously the throw on for a goal. But there is a huge drop-off between Zinchenko and Kivior. Well, there's a huge drop-off between Tomiyasu or Timber and 
Kivior. Like, at the end of the day, we've got our first, second, and third choice left back injured. So, it is what it is. And I don't want to go in on Kivior for this. He just isn't really good enough for that for that level. Um, I think a problem that we have at the minute, and this is one that's going to continue going forward as well, is that you can carry one or two injury-prone players. We've got five, and two of them play in the same position. And I think that that is an issue, and it's something we're going to have to look at in the summer. Um, thirdly was Leandro Trossard. There's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks about does Jesus get back into this team? Has Trossard cemented himself as the false nine? What you saw last night is that Jesus absolutely comes back into this team. Um, until we sign another striker, Gabriel Jesus is the starting nine whenever he's fit. Trossard is a great impact sub and he's more than capable of playing games like Burnley and West Ham and you know the lower half of the Premier League. But in these sort of games, you need more than what Trossard has. And someone like Gabriel Jesus brings it. It's just that extra bit of quality. I'm more than happy to see Trossard the first man up off the bench. I'm more than happy to see Trossard in probably 80% of the games we play. But in games like last night, we really, really need more than, than he can bring. I'm hoping in the second leg, we get Jesus and Zinchenko back. We just need them against the better teams. Like at the end of the day, we're not winning titles or winning the Champions League if Kivior is starting at left back and Trossard starting up front. That's just the truth of it. We'll we'll win a lot of games like that, but we're not going to be able to do enough. I want to touch briefly on the few chances there were in this game because there was some for a, for a game that was so poor and low on quality. There were actually a couple of really good chances. The first one is the Porto miss in the first half, which was just absolutely extraordinary. It was the same guy that scored the goal, Galliano. Gabriel half-blocks a cross coming in from our left-hand side, and Saliba's caught on his heels a bit. Galliano gets in, volleys the ball against the post. What happens next, I'm still not really sure. Um, the ball came straight back to him. He throws out his leg, and I do not understand how this ball goes wide. It, it basically looked impossible to miss. The entire stadium thought it was in. I thought it was in. You thought it was in. Even the stadium announcer thought it was in because he started to play the stupid music that they play after a goal. I, I have no idea. I mean, they, they ended the night with 1.1 XG. I would bet 0.7 of that was that miss. Like, it was it was just a crazy miss. Um, our best chance came from a corner. It was uh, the deep one that we'd been doing all night to the back post. This time we we played it a little bit further out and it came to Trossard on the volley, nine yards out, and he should be burying this. It's a difficult technique hitting a volley first time from the corner as it's dropping, but he really should be scoring that from nine yards out. It's uh, it's a chance that away in Europe you just, you just have to take, but he didn't. Um, we had a couple of other half chances from that similar corner routine, except more in towards the back post. Havertz and Saliba both headed wide when I think they could have done a little bit better. And then our only other chance was another reasonably big chance late on, which was we got a free kick outside the box. And as usual now, Gabriel goes over with Rice and Odegaard to have a little chat about where the ball's going to go. And he trots off into the area. Rice put it on his head from 12 yards out. Now, this isn't a sitter, right? This isn't a guilt-edged opportunity or anything like that. But 
I think you expect a bit more from Gabriel in this position. This uh, man that scored more goals from set pieces since he arrived than any other Premier League player. And I think once that ball flies over the bar like that, you just kind of think, well, that's it. You know, this game's going to finish nil-nil. We'll finish the job off at home. Um, and, and that'll be the end of it. But then they go up the other end and score from a, an effort far harder than any of the chances to, that got missed. And I think that's just how it goes sometimes. We just have to accept that and, and move on. The bookings that we picked up last night were annoying. Um, they get booked after the quarterfinal stage in the Champions League now. So both Rice and Havertz have got to get through the next round, the next game and then providing we get through the next game, they've got to get through both legs of the quarterfinal without picking up a booking. Um, the Rice one I've got no issue with. Uh, we touched on it briefly before. Saliba played a pass when Rice wasn't looking. Rice turns around, tries to get back in on it, dives in, takes the guy out. It's a booking. I think if he could have his time again, Rice, he probably wouldn't dive in. He'd just jockey a little bit and get back. But it's early in the game. He hasn't really played himself into it. We've just got to live with that one, I think. The Havertz one is the one that really pissed me off. Um, the guy just runs into him from behind, runs into his arm. There was nothing in it. He didn't move towards the guy. It wasn't a foul. Um, the guy goes down grabbing his face. Ref gives a free kick. And that's it, right? The ref takes a step back, steps away. He's given a free kick. He's happy with it. Something happens in the five seconds after that. I was watching the replay. The, the, the camera footage had replay on. It didn't show what was going on. I don't know if a Porto player got in his ear. I don't know if it was the whistling from the crowd. But something external was influenced the decision to get him booked. Again, this is what happens in away games in Europe. So it's not a surprise as such. But it is really annoying because it was never a booking. And now we've got Kai Havertz sitting there on a yellow card with possibly three games to get through. Otherwise, you know, if he doesn't, he could miss a, he could miss a quarterfinal or a semifinal game. And that is, that is really annoying. Only other thing really to come out last night that's worth mentioning um, was the subs, or, or should I say sub. Arteta only made one sub during the match. Now, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, I think the main reason is that he was just perfectly fine with the game drifting off to a nil-nil draw. I, you know, it wasn't a great night. We didn't play particularly well. And I think coming back with nil-nil would be absolutely acceptable. So I think he basically just didn't want to change the way was the way it was going. Secondly, when you look around at that bench last night, I don't know what other options he had. I mean, you're looking at Eddie and Ketter. Is Eddie going to come on with 15 minutes to go and influence that game? I don't think so. The only other person on the bench you might think about calling on is Emil Smith-Rowe. And again, I don't think it was particularly a game for Emil Smith-Rowe last night. Vieira was sitting there, but he hasn't played in three months. So obviously it would have been a huge risk to throw him on. So I understand why he didn't make any of the subs. Would it have been different had Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Timber, Partey or Jesus been there? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, for a start off, Jesus would have started. Trossard would have been on the bench. So Trossard would have been the usual first sub up. Um, there's an argument that Partey could have started and then you would have had Havertz to bring off the bench as well. That's a that's a possibility. I think that game's different if Zinchenko plays. I don't think that the silly mistakes we were making on the right-hand side happen if Ben White is playing he, like he usually does at right-back and Zinchenko is the one controlling the game from left-back. So I definitely think that that was an effect, but 
that's the way it is. Um, and the fact is, the sub he made really didn't work. Jorginho came on, and Trossard had been reasonably poor. He couldn't argue about coming off. I thought at the time, this is the right sub to make. But Jorginho come on, and Jorginho had a bad game. He came on the first four times he touched the ball. He gave it away. And it just, it just didn't work. But... Like I said, I do understand why he only made the one sub, and I've really got no criticism of it last night. He just wanted to see the see the game out, come back nil nil, and you know take it up from there. That's the third time in a row that this starting lineup's been rolled out. I have to say, I'll be shocked if it's four times in a row um, and the same team goes out again on Saturday night. Even if none of those players are back. I expect there'll be a change or two. Either Jorginho will start or Emil Smith-Rowe will come in. I don't think you're going to see the same team again. I'm, the biggest one for us, I think, is Zinchenko. I think that's even bigger than, than Jesus coming back because it completely changes how we play. It completely changes how Erdegaard has to play. Erdegaard has to come a lot deeper when Zinchenko's not playing so he can progress the ball up the pitch. Like I said, Saliba all of a sudden has to play that dual role instead of Gabriel, and that makes a difference. So I, I, we really do need him back. But even if not, I think you'll see some see some changes in this in the team. Uh, I'll do a preview of that on Friday, so I don't want to go into that too much right now. But I do think that that we'll see changes because overall, this was a disappointing performance and it was an annoying result. I don't think it's terminal. I'll be honest. I fully expect us to overturn this at the Emirates. The game's not going to be a stop start. The ref won't be blowing up every time they fall over. And I think eventually the quality that we've got is going to tell. And, you know, the positive spin that you can put on this is this could end up being a really useful night for us. The majority of these players have never played at this stage of the competition before. Maybe there's a few lessons that we learn to take away. Maybe next time Martinelli doesn't try that long ball to the right-hand side and just puts his foot on it and we walk away nil-nil. Maybe next time in the second minute, Declan Rice doesn't make that diving challenge and put himself in jeopardy for 88 minutes by picking up a booking in the second minute. Um, if we're going to lose one game between the start of January and the end of the season, I mean, let's be fair, this is the one you want to lose and you want to lose it narrowly because I think we're going to come back and win this in the second leg and in the end, there's no harm done and maybe, like I said, we learn a few lessons from it. Right, that's your lot for today. I'll be back Friday with a Newcastle preview. Um, look out on our Twitter and our Instagram for the Who Am I game. I'm going to post it, post a question later today. Um, feel free to answer in the comments, respond, give me the answer, and I'll read it out on the pod tomorrow. Same thing again with questions. If you've got any questions, feel free to tweet at us, and I'll try and get through as many of them as I can on Friday. Our handle on Twitter and on Instagram is at the NN pod. So feel free to jump on there, like I said, and leave us any questions and look out for the uh, look out for the little quiz as well. Enjoy your day. I will speak to you tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. Bye bye.